Well, I was teaching in Sunday school this morning to the young couples about we've been looking at the church a couple of weeks. One of the things we were talking about in the church is, of course, a hospital for the spiritually sick. It's a haven for those that are hurt and been banged up. Amen. And uh, it's just uh, a blessing that people can come into God's house and uh, be accepted, um, be spoken to kindly. But we have to understand something, too, that uh, when people do walk through our church doors, we that are saved and been born again, we, we need to be friendly and kind in receiving um, because it makes a big difference whether they come back and hear the word of God preached and taught and, and so forth. We have the Reformers Unanimous Addiction Program, and they're just all kinds of people have been helped and restored through that ministry. Uh, I was thinking about Tullock. I was thinking of Donna. I was thinking of Dave Greenshields. He he preached to the group on Friday night about 13 years ago. He came 14 years ago and uh, just uh, drunk and lost his family. Just a mess and uh, got straightened out and uh, let the Lord into his heart and life and uh, went back to college, got his degree, became a teacher of special needs children. They never owned a home, didn't have a car to drive got a new home after he got straightened up, amen, started paying his bills, started taking care of his family, uh, got a beautiful new car. He was so excited how God worked in his life. And uh, then a little bit later, him and his wife, she was going to leave him several times. And when he came here, she didn't believe in the program. And uh, it's chucked full of the word of God, and that's what changed his heart. And, of course, they got their marriage reconciled, and then they had another child, and I think they had another one. And uh, they're doing great. Now he comes every once in a while and speaks at uh, RU to encourage those that are struggling with addiction. So many, many testimonies of people that walk through churches like this one and get help. Amen? And my wife's talking about the bus ministry. Thank God for the bus ministry. People getting saved through that. These um, kids matter. You go and many times they come from families that don't want anything to do with God. They, uh, dysfunctional. Um, many times I've gone calling to a trailer or a house and dad be passed out drunk on the couch and children have nothing to eat. And uh, But then a uh, faithful soul winner Faithful bus captain. Uh, go by, bring them. The loving teachers help them. Uh, Ashley uh, tried to get her, get a hold of her for a video, but Ashley's at Pensacola Christian College. She's a bus kid, and uh, makes a difference. And. Uh, our kids matter, being raised up in church. Sometimes uh, when your kid raised up in church, uh, sometimes kids can't find their way because they're, they're in religion and churchianity. 
and they sometimes go right through the whole church. All the departments end up in Bible college and get saved. I'm glad they get saved, but you see, uh, church kids need uh, love and encouragement and instruction, support. So thank God for all these things in, in and through the local church. Turn to Song of Psalms chapter 2 if you haven't already. I'll try to uh, hasten on here. I hate getting emotional. It it, it, it just... It, it, it messes me up for a little bit, so you bear with me here. Uh, Song of Solomon chapter 2, and look verse 3 and 4 this morning. Second Solomon chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord for this sweet service. I pray you help me now to settle in and and be the preacher of the hour, uh, the message that needs to be preached. I I, I pray, God, you tug on other hearts today uh, of believers that need to, uh, Lord, be appreciative. Sometimes, Lord, we get cold-hearted and we we get a little distant from you. And services like this are a time where we can open our hearts and our minds to you afresh. And, Lord, you can call us home. To, uh, back to our personal relationship with you. I, I pray for some here today that are lost and they have not yet received Jesus into their heart by faith. And, and Lord, sometimes this world has been difficult, hard on them, and they're hard-hearted and cold towards spiritual things. Please, Lord, arrest their hearts today. Help them to listen to how much you love them uh, through this sermon. And the uh, Lord will give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, on I Love My Church Sunday, we're taking a look at this love letter written so long ago. It was written around 26 B.C. I did some study, and the Pax Romana was right around 29 B.C., before Christ's birth. Pax Romana was uh, peace of Rome, meaning that it was a time in which Rome was was controlling the known world, a great army, and they, uh, they put down rebellion, and that's when all the roads were built. Uh, and because of that, at that time of the Pax Romana, the gospel, God knew that it would be sent through Europe. And the Apostle Paul would travel those dirty roads, preaching the gospel and building churches. And thank God for that period of time. In the fullness of time, God brought forth his son. And uh, God's always on time, amen? And he used that period of time, the Pax Romana, right around 29 B.C., to start building those roads. And he allowed Rome to be a world power and... And that way God could propagate the gospel when it came to the world. And just a little before that time, many believed that this Song of Solomon was written. Now, it's, a, it's an old book, uh, but it's a good book. And it's a love story. If you get into it, you'll see de- evident, uh, a love between a husband and, it says, his spouse, his wife. And, uh, and it, it pictures the love of Christ in the church. And that also can help us in our marriages, in our families, in our relationships. Amen? I was telling my wife about this. Uh, I remember when I was writing this sermon down, we, we were getting ready to move from Kendallville, Indiana, where I pastored, uh, to Parkview here in Livonia. And uh, I was called as the pastor, and we were traveling back and forth there for a little bit, uh, trying to sell our place, trying to get here. And then we ended up, about 10 months later, selling our home. And uh, so we had to go back and forth quite a bit that first year. And I remember we were cleaning out the garage one day, and we 
gotten rid of several things. Some things went to the curb, you know, to be picked up, and other things were packed away for the move. And after a few hours of rummaging through old boxes and cubby holes, we, uh, we called it quits for that day. And unbeknownst to me, uh, I had left some boxes in there. And one of those boxes were a box that uh, contained some love letters from me to my wife and from my wife to me. And some cards and things that we gave each other in our courting days. And uh, I didn't know this, but uh, my boys got into those boxes. And they were about seven, eight years old at the time. And, and I remember they laughed and they snickered about all that gushy stuff they said. And they came in the kitchen and they were laughing and hee-hawing and saying, Dad, you said this and Mom said that and you wrote this. And, and uh, let me give you a word of advice. Make sure your love letters are locked up from past days and put in a safe place like, like a safe and because uh, inquisitive eyes, uh, but especially for young ones. But, oh, they went on for days about those letters and just laughed and beside themselves. And we laughed at them, you know. Uh, but anyway, Song of Solomon is a love letter uh, that God lets us peek into this morning. And we see a, a, a tender symbolism, if you would, about the love of Christ for his church. And, of course, the church's love for her bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Song of Solomon, uh, the writer is trying to share with us the sufficiency that he saw in his beloved. And you and I ought to be, uh, we ought to look at the sufficiency of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's a great Savior. He's a wonderful Savior. I don't know if you caught it. Brother Tom did an excellent job today. All the songs about Jesus. And, And that's who we ought to lift up, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've never been sorry I've trusted the Lord. Have you? Come on now. Have you ever been sorry you trusted the Lord? Well, some of you need to get right with God. But anyway, uh, look at Song of Solomon chapter 4, if you would. Now, speak back to me, church, or we're going to have a long service. I need your help. Amen. Brother Tullison helps me. I've already noticed that about him. Brother Chuck will help me. The rest of you need to get right with God. But anyway, Song of Solomon chapter 4 and verse 9, uh, it says this, Thou hast ravished my heart. My sister, my spouse, thou hast ravished my heart with one of thine eyes and with chain of thy neck. Now, notice here is the estimation of this, this uh, bride that's so in love with her bridegroom. She, in other words, she's head over heels uh, in her love for her lover. Uh, he's ravished, he is ravished by her love. Now, that word ravish is an interesting word in your Bible. Uh, ravished means this. Uh, I didn't know this, and I didn't really understand it when I read it uh, the first time. Ravished means to make cakes. I thought, make cakes? It means to be wise. The idea of this is to become intelligent through experience. So if somebody's making cakes, they've got to have some experience and knowledge in order to do that. That's the root of it. It means to get a mind of. It means to come to full understanding or knowledge of a subject. The word ravished means to take heart. It means to be enhearted. It means to be intelligent, full of realization of how loved someone is. Listen, you, you don't got it yet. You, you need to get this. God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why? That you could be saved. That's how much God loves you. He bankrupted heaven. He, he gave his only begotten son. He gave the most dear and precious thing that God had. 
for you and I to become Christians and follow Christ as Savior. The word ravished means to be ravished of heart or encouraged or to make the heart beat faster. If you read this, uh, this love story, there's some pretty spicy stuff in here. I, I love preaching on the Song of Solomon because I love seeing red faces. I love seeing people a little uncomfortable. What's the preacher going to say about this or that? You know, I won't go to those texts right now your mind's going through, but we'll, we'll move on. Okay. Song of Solomon chapter 2. Look if with me again at verse 3. Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Verse 8, drop down there. The voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. Verse 9, my beloved is like a roe or a, a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the windows, showing himself through the lattice. Verse 10, my beloved spake and said unto me, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. You like that, ladies? Isn't that sweet? Isn't that romantic? Amen. Guys like it too, but they won't admit it. Verse 16, verse 16, my beloved is mine and I am his. He feedeth among his lilies. Now notice the statement she just made for all of us. She makes this statement. This is the church now in type. My lover is mine and I am his. Hey, we need to come to the realization as God's people that we have a love relationship with Christ. Now, we're not talking about a syrupy. We're not talking about a sexual thing. No, no, no. We're talking about a spiritual thing. It is spiritual to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ by faith through that book and through the Holy Ghost. As we grow in our spiritual love relationship, we know him better. That's the word there, ravished, meaning to know by experience, to know through, uh, through uh, 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 experiment, if you would. As somebody's learning how to bake a cake or make a cupcake, you know, it just doesn't come natural. You learn that you've got to put ingredients in. If you take those ingredients in and of themselves, they'll taste nasty. You put them together and you bake them and you do it the way the recipe book says comes out wonderful, especially with cheap... Uh, Cream cheese frosting on top and in the middle. But anyway, the meaning of ravish means just to be taken up with that individual through knowledge of them, through closeness, through intimacy. And listen, I want to tell you something, Christian. There's no way you're going to have a personal, intimate relationship with Christ unless you get in a book. Lo, I come in the volume of a book. Unless you yield yourself and open yourself up to the Spirit of God that will speak to your heart. I'll tell you something else. You're not going to have that relationship with Christ unless you yield to yourself to to be holy unto him, separated unto him, and then serve him as he needs to be served and desires to be served. There's so much involved here. But saints of God, we are married to Christ by faith. Romans chapter 7 tells you that. We are blessed in our relationship. Uh, Listen to what it says in Romans 8, or Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God, our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, in whom Jesus, that's speaking about, we have obtained an inheritance. In Psalm 87, the psalmist says this in the last part of that psalm, all my springs are in him. And that word springs has to do with refreshment. You go down to the spring back in Bible day to get refreshment. And listen, when I, I was in Bible college, I remember my wife and I went to get some pictures taken one time with a few of our kids. They took us to this old palatial estate, and, 
and in the beautiful scenery, there was a, a spring. But in that spring, they, over there, they had what is called a spring house. And I'm being a Yankee, I didn't know what that was, but that was built there years ago. And it was built there to keep things cool and comfortable. They put the eggs down there, they put the butter down there, they put the milk down there, and it ran through that stream. It was a place of refreshment. It was a place of, of getting one's needs met. And that's what the psalmist is speaking about throughout the psalms, that the Lord is all I need. He is all I need, all I need. Uh, he is the spring in our life. He's the refreshment of our soul. So today I want to talk about this deep relationship, this, this full relationship, this personal relationship that you and I as Christians can have with our Lord. But again, lo, I come in the volume of a book. Get in that book. Now I want to talk about some things in that relationship this morning. First of all, in Christ we have perfect rest. In Song of Solomon chapter 2, look at it again, verse 3, as the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. And he mentioned this, I sat down under his shadow with great delight. Now that shadow is speaking of shade. It's a word for shade. Uh, shadows cast a shade which brings coolness and comfort. I almost preached the title this morning, Sitting Down in His Shade, uh, but I'm preaching this morning on his banner over me is love, because that's in there too, Amen. But we're in the shade of the Lord. It's, it's a statement about this woman that's so much in love, clearly in love, smitten with the person and the presence of her lover. And she's relaxing, if you would, under his shade. She's enjoying perfect peace and rest. He excels among all the suitors that have sought her heart. At Calvary, listen, we sit down under the shadow of the cross of Jesus Christ. And we find rest there. We find refreshment there. We find, we find coolness there and comfort there. Peace of God that passes all understanding under that cross, which came from the tree, you understand. Hebrews 10, 12, but this man, speaking of Jesus, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Here's a woman sitting down under the shadow of her lover. We can sit down under the shadow this morning, under the shade, and be at rest in our relationship with Christ, if you're right with God. Now there's some people here this morning, as the word of God is preached, as Jesus' name is mentioned, as, as, as having a personal relationship and a love life with the Lord, some are just a little bit uncomfortable. Because you might not be right with God. And listen, Saint, when you're not right with God, it'll take you farther and farther than you intend to go. And then you could end up being more worldly, more wicked, getting involved with things you never dreamed possible. Listen, if you're just a little bit away from Jesus this morning, run back to him. If you're far away from him today, good night, repent, repent. Come back to him as the lover of your soul and you'll never be sorry for it. But you see, as we get into the shade of his presence, we get into that cool spot, we get into that comfort zone with the Lord, we will be blessed. There's rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have Romans 1, 5 and verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that rest speaks of peace with God. And then we have the peace of God, Paul says, in Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'm in a world today that I don't understand anymore. They have lost their minds. And they think we've lost ours. 
Lost people look at us as a bunch of kooks, a bunch of religious fanatics. Uh, we, don't, we don't make sense to them. Listen, I say back, not in an unkind way, you don't make sense to me, world. Why do you want to live like you live? Why do you want the heartache you have? Why do you want the, uh, all, this, all this stuff that people think they got to have today? It is wrong. It is wicked. It is not of God. And I encourage them, come to know Christ and your life will totally change. There's nothing like knowing Jesus and you will not know that unless you experience it yourself. That's that word ravished. He will ravish you with his love, but you've got to experience him. You've got to know him. And there'll be peace of God. There's so many people in this world that don't have any peace. They have guilt of heart. They have guilt of soul for the things they've done and are involved in. Listen, that can be all erased. That can be all washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ. Full forgiveness of sins. Talking about Ken Stoddard. My wife thought of that when that song was... You know, Ken came around here. He, he, he lived in the park over here. He was a Vietnam vet. His whole platoon, listen, his whole... I didn't know this till late, years later. I didn't know why he was such a mess that he was. His whole platoon was wiped out in one day, and he was the only survivor. He never got over that. He would every year go back to his buddy who died in that, in that battle. He'd go back to his hometown and visit his sister and his family and, and try to be a comfort to them. But he could never get over the fact that he was the only one that lived. And he became a drinker. He became a drug addict. He became a drinker. And, and we met him. Listen, some of our men were out so winning down Stark Road and they met him riding his bike. He had a bottle and a bag. And they stopped him and invited him to church and gave him a gospel track. And then he didn't come, and then he'd hang out in the park, and then Joseph became the, the paper boy and invited him to church, and he started to come. And he'd come to our tent meetings. He'd sit underneath the tree over here under Pastor William's house. We lived there at that time. He'd sit under that, that tree. He'd put his bike up against the tree. He'd drink out of that paper sack, and he'd listen to Brian McBride preach the gospel. If anybody came out, he'd, he'd get on his bike and leave. But you know what? He kept coming back, and he kept coming back. And after a while, we say, hey, come on in. You don't have to sit out there. Come on in. He got right at the edge of the tent and started hearing the gospel in the tent. And then little by little, God, it took a long time, but God got a hold of him and saved his soul. And he still fought. He still fought, but God worked with him. God worked with him. And then God caused him not to be able to drink anymore, and he became a, a different man. But his life was scarred because of sin. His life was scarred because of life situations. The knowledge he had about life, this world's life, ruined him. But he found grace in Jesus. He found forgiveness of sins. I was privileged to preach his funeral. And, and you know, Ken wasn't everything he wanted to be, but he was a different man than he used to be. And thank God Ken and others like him have sat down under the shadow of the Lord where there's peace. Rest from the burden of sin. Rest from our guilty past. Rest in, in having a clear conscience, a clean conscience before God. Rest under the shadow that he casts. The Bible says in Psalm 91.1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 27 verse 5, He shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me and shall set me up upon a rock. Psalm 32, verse 7, Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Uh, thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. And he uses the word selah, which means pause or dwell on that. Think on that. Hey, listen, 
In Christ, we have great peace. Peace with God. Peace of God. Secondly, in Christ, we have complete protection. Notice the words here, under the shadow, under the shadow. Shadow uh, is a protection. Protection from the fierce rays of the sun. Protection from harsh elements. Protection from winds and storms. Judges 9 and verse 15 says, Come and put your trust, listen, in my shadow. God's got a shadow. We're put in the cleft of the rock. You ever seen that famous picture of the, of the sea uh, in torment and turbulence and raging in a storm? And the, it, that water's crashing up against those rocks along the beach. And, and then a little bitty, uh, you notice there's a little bitty hole in, the, in those rocks. And, and there's a little bitty dove in there, a, a bird of flight in those rocks. And all the storms are brewing. All the storms are raging. And, 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 and it's just covering those rocks. But in, but in that rock is peace and rest and security and safety. That's what we are in Jesus Christ. And listen. We have, we have a closeness with the Lord through personal relationship, and that's what he wants us to have. Even in our storms, he does not forsake us. Even in the horrible things that sometimes happen to Christian people, the Lord is ever with us. We are in the shadow of the Almighty. Spiritually, emotionally, physically protected in Christ. Jesus said in John 10, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish." Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I'm so saved, it's pitiful. And that's what God gives us in Christ. Thirdly, in Christ we have great joy. Notice in Song of Solomon, are you there? Chapter 3. Look at verse 3. As the apple of the tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great, notice, great delight. See those words? That's talking about great joy. And this is speaking or typifying here as a new bride is so full of love and expectation and delight for he who sits next to her. They, the Jewish marriage feasts, that, that's all, I wish I had more time, but they, they would sit together, and when they sit together, listen, they would sit close together. I want to help you young people over here that aren't married yet. I, just, I haven't said this in a long time, but if you're a boy and a girl, there ought to be a Bible between you. I mean, you know. When you get married, then you sit close. Then you sit tight. I love to see newlyweds like Mark and Carrie over here. Just sitting close, arm around her, you know. Now, don't take it too far, okay, brother? But, uh, you know, that closeness, that desire to be close, and that's for marriage, amen? He said, my sister, my spouse, not your girlfriend or fiancé, amen. But here in this story, she's taking great delight. She is so excited about her, her lover. She is so excited. There's a radiance about her. I'll never forget when I went to the, the, the Becky Martin's wedding. I was invited there. i never forget this. She was so in love with Dan, and he was in love with her, but you know they were trying to behave themselves. And when they got married, Dad, Brother Spencer, stood there, and he said, Now you can kiss your bride. And Becky, the whole time, she's jumping up and down, and she's clapping her hands, and he's standing there like this. And she literally attacked that boy, and she put it on him. I'm telling you, she, he didn't bend her over. She bent him over. She put it on him, and I thought to myself, oh, Lord God, she's going to kill that boy on their honeymoon. I'm telling you, that girl was all excited, and she's all reared up, and she was, all, and she was in love, you know. 
And listen, I want to say as a church, not a sexual thing, don't get this wrong. We ought to be fired up about Jesus. We ought to be excited about our relationship with him. Expectation. You know, when I got saved, I got, I got excited. And I came to this church and got under the man of God and he was preaching. I sat on the edge of my seat. I was looking for more. I was wanting more. And listen, maybe you're that way. Maybe you've lost it. I know I'm not Brother Hasbury. So if we had his preaching, we'd be that way. But listen, I was excited. I was excited. I wanted more. I wanted more of the Lord. Has, has that gone away from you? You know, the Lord told the church in the book of Revelation, he said, the church of Ephesus, he said, thou hast left thy first love. First love's exciting. First love's full of enthusiasm. But you know what happens? We kind of take for granted. And it gets passe, and it gets old. No, no, no. I always encourage uh, married couples, listen, date, and go on retreats, and take vacations, and, and, and love on one another, and have the romance in your marriage. Amen. Take some of those, uh, those, uh, those, uh, those uh, what are those things? Oh, oh, roses back. Thanks for it. The rose petals, and, and sprinkle them all, you know, on those stairways, all the way up to that big jacuzzi tub, you know. Amen. Put some bubbles in there and say to your wife, you just enjoy a little, and I'm, I'm downstairs making a nice dinner for you. You say, does that happen? It ought to happen. Amen. Still send flowers, fellas? Hey, I'm trying to help you. You're two days away from a big holiday, and don't you say it's a Hallmark holiday. It's important to her. It might not be important to you. Listen, work on that relationship. That would be 10 or 12 of you men buying rose petals this week, bringing them in the house. You know, making dinner, you know, get you, get you a banquet chicken dinner, put it in the oven. That, it, that's all you can do? Hey, praise God. But you work on that relationship, and it will bring her great joy. Do you know what the Lord wants you to do? He wants you to work on your relationship. You know why I say that? He don't have a problem. It's not his fault. If you're distant and cold, it's because you're distant and cold. Snuggle up against the Lord, amen, in His Word and in prayer and, and worship Him. When's, hey, when's the last time you really worshiped God? I mean, you worshiped the Word, your heart was full and tears were flowing and you were praising God. And you could do that in your prayer closet, you can do it at home, you can do it in your car going down the highway. I mean, if you've got that relationship right, there's great joy. John 15 and verse 11, these things I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. What's the psalmist say? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? Even in difficult times. Even in trials and testings of, of life. In Christ we have bountiful supply. Notice what she says here. Song of Solomon 2, 3, the last part. And his fruit was sweet to my taste. I started to try to figure all that out, what it meant. And, and I found this out, it, that uh, she is perhaps describing the fruit of the tree which she is sitting beneath. And I thought, well, I don't know if that's what it means. But then I started looking at the, the context. You know, when you study your Bible, read before and after and get the context of it. And the context says in verse 3, she mentions apple trees. In verse 5, flagons and apples. Flagons are cakes of raisins, Okay. Again, apples are mentioned. In verse 13, figs are mentioned. Grapes are mentioned. It's talking about fruit. So more than likely, she's sitting under some kind of a tree that has given some kind of a fruit to taste. And, 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 and I'm thinking of sweetness, and I'm thinking of satisfaction. Oh, how sweet 
the relationship of Christ and the church ought to be. We're even told in the book of Galatians about the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, general get, uh, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. These are just, they just will flow because the Spirit of God is working in our lives. She's sitting under the shade tree, these trees, and their love is sweet, their love is satisfying. She says in Song Solomon 2.14, Oh, my dove, thou art in the cleft of the rock, in the secret place of the st- st- uh, stairs. Let me see thy countenance, let me hear thy voice, for sweet is thy voice and thy countenance is comely. Song Solomon 5.13, His cheeks are as the bed of spices, as sweet flowers, his lips like lilies, dropping sweet with smelling mirth. Psalm 5 and verse 16, His mouth is so sweet, yea, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. This is a love letter. This is exciting. There are things said here that are, are between a husband and a wife. Private things. Things that we maybe would not say or enter into. They're not in our thinking. Like the one, thy nose is like a tower of Lebanon. Don't say that to your wife. All right? Don't tell her she's got a big nose, okay? Don't do that. That's not romantic. But here, if you're reading this, this, this story here, it is, it is, it is, they're, they're loving on one another. They, they have pet words for one another. Uh, you're my coochie-coo, you're my sugar dumpling, that kind of thing. Amen. People have little nicknames, and you always wonder where those nicknames come from. I don't know if I ever told you this, Erica, but uh, one time I, your, your, uh, your aunt, I guess it would be. Dave, is Dave your uncle? Dave Kessel? Brother-in-law, okay. Well, Rhonda, has a, she has a secret name that I didn't know. Her name was Toots, and I wonder where'd that come from. But anyway, you, you just have, the, you, have these, uh, you have these little pet names for one another. And you wonder where they come from. Well, here in the Word of God, they are coming because they're sitting under that tree, and they're so in love with one another, and they're so ravished with one another. Listen, we have a sweet, sweet relationship with the Lord. He's fairer than all. He's the rose of Sharon, lily of the valley. He's the bright and morning star. These are terms describing who he is. He's the lover of our soul. And then we see that she has tender guidance here. She mentioned verse 4. He brought me to the banqueting house. I've got to wrap this up, but listen. He brought me to the banqueting house. This is interesting. Banqueting means a vineyard house, a greenhouse, or nursery. If you study about the King Solomon, the Song of Solomon, and the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, his writings, but it's known, historians have told us, secular historians know about the gardens that he built, the vineyards he built in Babylon, the hanging gardens of Babylon. It was put there for beauty. It was put there for solace. It was put there for, for peace, tranquility. And the picture here is that here's a lover with his arm around his love. And he's gently and lovingly leading her, escorting her to the lights of the banquet house. The banquet house was beautiful and bountiful. It was a garden full of delights. Beautiful in color and fragrance as the flowers from afar. No, Can you think about Song of Solomon, all the things he brought from afar? Can you imagine the fragrance of that garden and the beauty of that garden? And it was magnificent. It was intoxicating. Listen. When he put his arm around her and walked her through there, that banquet house, 
it was romantic. That's speaking of a relationship, a physical relationship with a husband and a wife in this book. But it's picturing the relationship you and I have as we walk through the garden of God with him. You know, back in the book of Genesis, they used to walk with God, right, in the cool of the day. But sin messed everything up. And then when he came looking for them, and he knew where they were, he came looking for them, Adam and Eve were hiding because of sin. Do you know why perhaps you're not close to the Lord today? It's because there's some sin that has not been dealt with. And you keep messing with that, you get further and further away from him. And he comes looking for you, and you don't have time because you're distant from him. See, again, lo, I come in the volume of a book. You know, that daily devotion, that daily walk with God, that prayer time with God. Amen. Getting in the Word, listening to the Word, having good Christian music in your life. Amen. It'll build you up and there'll be sweet time of fellowship, sitting under the shade of God and sitting in His banqueting house where there's joy. In Christ we have sweet fellowship. That's what the banquet house also means. He brought me to His banqueting house. This house means house of delights when I looked it up. Oh, listen. We sit around the Lord, with the Lord, and we have sweet fellowship and satisfaction, ample supply, sure delights in the Lord. And then lastly this morning, in Christ we have forever victory. I like this part. I like this part, so wake up, okay? A little warm in here, I get it, but wake up along and get this one. Last point, wake up, last point. In Christ we have forever victory. Look at verse 4. He says in Song Solomon 2.4, He brought me to his banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Note the word banner. Banner over me was love. In his love we have forgiveness of sins, we have sure mercies, we have great grace. Banner speaks of victory in the Bible. When the warriors would go to, to battle in the day of the word of God, and they won the day, they would return from the battle in columns. And while they returned in those columns, there would be many colorful and terrible banners waving. I say terrible because the Bible says in Song of Solomon 6, verse 4, Thou art beautiful, O my love, as Tarzas, comely as Jerusalem, terrible as an army with banners. The word terrible doesn't mean horrible. It means awesome. Terrible. He says in verse chapter 6, verse 10, Who is she that looketh forth as the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun, as terrible as an army with banners? He's describing the look of his spouse. He's not saying she looks terrible this morning. He's saying she looks awesome this morning. She looks magnificent this morning. And what it's referring to is they come back from these battles and they'd have these banners back in the biblical day, Uh, These banners had to do with psychological warfare, you understand. Because the multitude of banners meant the multitude of men that they had. Each banner represented a hundred in a small group and a thousand in a larger group. So if you had 500 banners waving as they're returning home from victory, that meant 50,000 warriors. But if you had a thousand banners waving, that meant a half a million coming back from victory. It's a picture of what they saw on the horizon And to a warrior, when he saw a quarter of a million or a million warriors coming back from battle, it was terrible. It was terrible. It was awesome. It was magnificent. It was thrilling. And listen, the Bible describes one day when Jesus comes riding on that white horse. 
There's a name written on him. <laughs> There's a banner waving. And he's leading the army of God back. We that are saved coming back with him. Not he coming the one time, taking us out of here in the rapture. But the second coming of Christ coming back, he's coming. We're going with him, and we're going to watch him take care of the whole thing. But those banners will be waving. She's speaking here, and his banner over we, me, uh, over me was love. Victory side of the Christian life is through the love of Christ. The love of God for us. Did you notice in our video today with the children, nobody coaxed them. They said what they wanted to say. Seriously. They said, we love our church, we love our church. But they said, we learn about God. We learn about the Bible. We learn about Jesus. You know, it's awesome to those kids that they're being raised up in the church of Jesus Christ. And they get excited and they're thankful. How about mom and dad? How about us adults? Have you lost your first love? I want to say to you as we close today, be ravished with the love of Christ today. That comes through knowledge of knowing him. That comes through personal experience. From now on, you say, well, preacher, I'm away from the Lord. I'm not right with God. There's things in my life I've done, and I've displeased the Lord, and I'm so embarrassed. I I don't know why God would forgive me. I don't know why he'd ever take you back. Because he loves you. He desperately loves you. And his blood will wash away anything you've ever done. And renew that relationship with him. He said, preacher, I don't even know him as my Savior. How can I know this? You can't outside of grace. But you got a God in heaven that loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son for you. And he wants you to receive him by faith into your heart and life today. And if you'll do that, I promise you, you'll never get over it. And you'll say, I could never be religious like you're talking. I could never be churchy like you're talking. I could never be like you are. Oh, yes, you could if you open your heart to Jesus Christ. And you'll find a love relationship starting in your soul that will go on the rest of your life. Oh, dear friend, if you're not saved, come today and trust Jesus. If you're saved but not right with the Lord today, if you say, preacher, I'm okay, I'm just not as on fire as I used to be, not as in love as I used to be, show him by placing your faith in him. Show him how much you love him by worshiping him today. This altar is a place of worship. It's not just coming down because sinners need to get saved. It's not just going, coming down here saying, well, I've done something wrong. I don't want everybody to know. No, no, you got it all wrong. The altar is a place of worship. You come and worship. Come and thank Him. Come and praise Him. Come and shed some tears, not of regret, but of rejoicing. It's perfectly good to do that here. Show Him by coming faithfully to church. Show Him you love Him by serving Him. Show Him you love Him by living for Him. And then show them you love them by telling them so. You know, oftentimes, my wife and I will get so busy, it seems, you know. And I'll be running out the door, and I'll, I'll get about two steps out, and I'll go, oh, and I go back and I, I give her a little kiss. So I'm sorry, honey. And she says, I was wondering if you were going to say that. <laughs> but she gets busy, too. It, that's just life. Life gets busy. And I start thinking, boy, it's been a while since we went on a, on a date, you know, not just not to McDonald's. You know what's so great about McDonald's right now? they got a campaign going on that you can get that 
you can get that Big Mac with double meat, and you get the regular Big Mac, which I adore, and you can get the you can get the thin the thin one, the just one, but it still has the same sauce. It's good. <laughs> you say, preacher, why are you bringing this up? Valentine's Day is coming. You guys need to take your wife someplace fancy. Take her to a Scottish restaurant called McDonald's. She'll be pleased. No. What was I talking about anyway? I don't even know, but you got a good advertisement for McDonald's. Amen. Praise God. No, showing, showing how much you love him. Spending time with him, worshiping with him, adoring him in your personal life. Listen, I know I said a lot of silly things today, but listen, I want to say this and I'm done. As a Christian, your spiritual love life might be waning. It might be cold. It might be lost. As a couple, maybe you have allowed your marriage relationship to be taken granted of. You're just kind of living, not really putting any energy in your, your, your marriage, your romance, part of it. Listen, here's where we're at. As a church member, maybe you have allowed your love for the church to grow lukewarm. This thing called I Love My Church Sunday is made for us to, first of all, love the Lord. Second of all, get your love back for the church. The church is wonderful. The church is a gift from God to all those that believe on Christ. Get in, and I mean get in. And here's the thought, sitting down under his shadow. That's a place of rest and protection and fellowship and tenderness and mercy and grace and love. How many love the Lord this morning? Amen. Love him with all your heart. If that's not right, make it right. Let's bow our heads if we would. Every head bowed. Every head bowed. Just a few minutes before noon, we'll be out of here. Right now, focus on this. This is called the invitation. Jesus gave invitations. Come unto me, all you heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Come if you need comfort. Come if you need encouragement. Come. He called the lost unto himself. Come. Sinners, come. Receive Jesus as your Savior. Whatever the need, come for rededication. Come for scriptural baptism. Come for church membership. Come for Christian service. Whatever God is leading you to do, obey the Spirit of God. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for the sweet songs we heard this morning. Thank you for the good choir number. Thank you for the children, Lord, how they minister to our heart about how much they love you and how much they love their church. Thank you for the testimony of our young people away at college who love their church. Thank you for the good special. Thank you, Lord, for the preaching of your word. Lord, please help us to learn to love on you more. Please, Lord, squeeze our heart today. Draw us close to thee. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.